0: Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience.
1: Hello, guys. 10 years ago, I didn't know anything about content marketing because we tried to uh, sell online and created only uh, e-commerce content. Today, it's not. It doesn't work like this because customers want to get value first. And I'm excited to discuss about content marketing with
0: Yak. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Anatoly. You know, it's, it's it's such a pleasure to meet you from the other side of the world. And this is what the open world has done to us. So uh, happy to be here today.
1: Yeah, yeah, nice man. Because uh, I check out your profile, you have extended experience. You spoke on TEDx uh, with many great experts, Seth Godin. Oh man, uh, I, I read a lot of his books. Um, uh, m- many others, Ren Fishkin, by the way, he took part on my podcast as well. Uh, I love this guy. Uh, Guy Kawasaki, wow, he's awesome. And uh, your experience, your content is great, you know. Uh, Anybody who is listening or watching this podcast, you need to follow Yak to learn from him, to open his podcast. And before we start, just tell more about your experience and background.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for your uh, kind words. I'm still a work in progress. I'm still learning every single day. Um, So yeah, uh, to give you a little bit of my background, uh, I have about 13 years of experience overall. uh, And... uh, I started as a salesperson, I ran my own company, then got into sales, and then eventually got into marketing. Um, And uh, ever since 2012, I've been extremely focused on marketing in uh, SaaS and MarTech related products. Right now, I work for a company called Avoma. I'm the director of content marketing for Avoma, pretty much enjoying this entire journey. I've been here for a little more than a year now, and that's absolutely exciting. Um, and uh, I've enjoyed writing books. I've published about eight books with the latest one called The Collaborative Grow, which is all about how different functions collaborate together. And I run a podcast called The ABM Conversations Podcast, which uh, you spoke greatly about. And I, I've been like doing that for about a little more than two years now. Uh, we are about 120 plus episodes now. So pretty exciting journey and uh, learning from all the great marketers from around the world through good conversations like this. And I'm sure this is going to be a great conversation today as well.
1: Yeah, nice, nice. You know, it's interesting that uh, when I meet experts like you, uh, they always proclaim, uh, "I'm still learning. Uh, I keep learning." But you know, when I check out some profiles, uh, and uh, no, from many guys, I don't want to criticize them, but when they proclaim, uh, "I'm an expert. I know everything about marketing." No, for, from my experience, you can't know everything and uh, more. You learn more. You understand that you know Absolutely. nothing about, <laughs> about a- any field so uh just uh, I, I wanna ask about content marketing why uh, brands need to jump on this field uh, many of them wanna sell they wanna sell their products why they need to pay attention to content marketing today
0: right so fundamentally i'll put it this way you know when you look at anything online uh the moment uh, let's say you're you're watching a Netflix show or something on your TV and suddenly you see an ad, uh, the first thing that you're going to do is, uh, as long as, or the moment you know that something is promoted at you, you're going to ignore that. And mm-hmm. um, the thing with content, on the other hand, whether it's like, you know, I'm talking about a product as a host on a podcast, or I'm writing it as part of my blog post or as part of an ebook and all of that. Here, the whole idea of content marketing is not to push or shove a product on you, but rather than educate the need for something like that, or even educate you about the problem at a pain point so that you know people learn about it. For example, I'm in the world of conversation intelligence. Now there are several products in this industry. When I talk about it, I need to tell you that hey, why should somebody even invest on a tool? Much before that, what is the problem that somebody is facing? Now, uh, if I'm going to talk about problems, I'm going to talk about problems like say, um, hey, your sales reps and uh, your customer success people talk to um, customers and prospects on a daily basis. Now, what happens is say, if they're not updating enough on their CRM, you don't have enough information to go and uh, collect. Or say your product person doesn't know what the customer is asking because the product person is never having a conversation with your uh, with your customers. Now, can you democratize that entire knowledge that comes from external conversations as well as internal conversations and make it democratized across the company so that there is a base for everyone to jump into? You know, every, like say, if I'm writing content, I come from the perspective of, uh, how do I do this? You know, uh, How do I understand what are the problems that my customers are going through? Uh, then maybe the product person understands that, hey, these are the things that these guys are asking for. Let me develop that. Rather than thinking about what my competitors are doing, let me copy that. Now I know that I can get this from customers. Now, this whole story that I've just told you is because I understand the problem because I've been listening to these customers. And this storytelling, for even one bit, I've not taken the name of my product I've not tried to push you anything, but I'm educating you about the problem and how that can be solved. You create an interest and over a period of time, people start indulging with you, engaging with you. And content is a long-term game. The whole idea is for me to build a relationship with you and build that trust. And over a period of time, see uh, here today we are having this conversation, probably because you read my content somewhere or heard some of my podcasts somewhere. And then we are having this. There is this mutual trust built And in the long term, maybe, you know, we might end up doing business together, maybe or maybe not. But that fundamental relationship building happens through content. And I would even go on to say that it is content-based networking.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, nice, valuable. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, Okay, let's talk about uh, finding uh, content format because uh, content marketing is huge and we have many different formats. How do I know which format will work for me, and uh, because, uh, for example, uh, when I check out some uh, guides online, I can see they proclaim learn your competitors and do the same, I provide uh, the same stuff. You can analyze how they sell their products, uh, create their content marketing strategy. But you know, if uh, I'm not good with that, for example, I'm not good with filming videos. Why I need to jump on this field if I'm good with writing? Can you share from your experience how to find the right uh, type of content?
0: Right. So, you know, there is this whole idea of, uh, like you say, product market fit for products. There is also this content market fit. Okay, so uh, the way you think about it is you need to go around and experiment. Um, Whoever, uh, you know, says they are in number of experience in marketing and all of that. But still, the reality is, every time you start something for a new organization you're still experimenting and learning from what is going to work and what is not working so there is no one single format that you can say that hey if you're this company uh, you know this is the kind of uh, content like say focus on blogs or say focus on podcasts or focus on ebooks no that's not that you know you have to go in and first understand where your audience is, what their problems are, where your audience is, where are they discussing about it? Sometimes, for example, if there is a place where, if there is a specific SaaS community, or say, if there is a Slack community or maybe a forum somewhere people are discussing your problems, and um, you're going there and answering some of the questions and helping them, that is still content creation. So the whole point is not about how do I create content assets and make people uh, come to that asset, but rather than, identifying that where is the need for content and what format makes the most sense right there at that moment. Now, if you're asking a question and uh, you know, if I believe that instead of writing a one pager, if I believe that, hey, it would be more easier to communicate if I recorded say a 30 second video and sent you that video through Loom, for example, you know, Mm -hmm. that is a much better piece of content to solve that problem rather than writing walls of text which might, making, which might be making things more complicated. So it, it all boils down to when, where. And then, of course, there are going to be certain basics. Yes, there are, you know, right now, if you look at it, a lot of companies are starting podcasts. Everybody has a blog. Everybody has ebooks. All of these things are necessary. But then I would say, than the format, it is all about the topics that you pick to talk about as well. Now, again, slightly deviating from what you asked, the reason I'm also talking about topics is because A lot of times the generic thought process is that hey these topics have a high search volume let me talk about it and try to drive traffic is the general thought process but the moment you do that you're actually playing the seo game the bot game and might not necessarily be the exact thing that your customers are looking for so it might have worked for a competitor fantastic but it is not necessary that it's going to work for you as well. So you need to understand what is that point and start building on that. So I would say it's it's like, uh, you know, keep your ears to the ground and listen um, how is the reaction and start improvising on where things are working.
1: Nice, nice. Uh, I want to add, you know, uh, uh, I know that you need to find where your audience is, but uh, from my experience, it's better to find where you enjoy your time. Now, for example, if you enjoy uh, recording podcasts, if you enjoy filming videos or writing, so do it, you know, (laughs) because for example, uh, probably my audience can be on uh, Pinterest, but I don't like this social media, it's not my format. So, uh, I can find my audience on Instagram if I like it, or LinkedIn, uh, even on TikTok, for example. If you, yes. uh, 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 you know, my 11 year- years old son proclaimed me, uh, you know, uh, I i wanna jump on TikTok. I tell him, okay, do it, do it, it's your format, uh, but I wanna earn money uh, for online games. I told him. You know, you don't need to think only about money, you know. Think more yeah. about uh, sharing value, helping others. And so just find your uh, loving social media. For example, my wife uh, is on Instagram. She creates content for Instagram. I'm on yeah. LinkedIn. My son is on TikTok because we enjoy time. Uh, you know, yes. it's it's possible that you can burn out, you know, in some time if you dislike uh, format or social media uh, and create content that uh, you don't like. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it's my absolutely. point.
0: Here. No, you, you're absolutely right. in also that, right? So for example, if that is not my core skill set, you know, I should be focusing on where it is. And that's the beauty of it. The moment you understand that these are the five different places or say three different places where my audience hangs out. And if I realize that I'm better on blogging and LinkedIn and podcast, and maybe, you know, if I'm not the best person for say a TikTok or Instagram, I can always hire somebody who does great at that and improvise on that. So first understand that. And then also it's, as you rightly said, I buy that point. You know, it's also important to make sure that you play to your strengths, you know, try to marry your strengths and the need. And that intersection is where the magic is going to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, okay, uh, let's uh, go to another question about uh, creating a content strategy. Can you share from your experience how to do it right and no? Because, you know, uh, most businesses, they usually create generic strategies. They just uh, analyze these competitors or keyword research, take uh, generic keywords and can't get results because it's overwhelmed, overpriced. How to find this uh, right strategy and uh, implement it?
0: Right. So, uh, again, I'm going to give you a light, uh, bit of a a boring answer to this. Uh, You -hmm. know, it always kind of boils down to understanding who your customer is. I'll give you an example of, um, you know, what we did at Avoma as one of our experiments to write about content. And this would probably even sound counterintuitive to a lot of people here. So, here's what happened. So, when you look at conversation intelligence as an industry, you know, there are some key players in this so for example if you look at somebody like gong you know they are the industry leaders in this and then uh, there is another company called chorus which is also an industry leader and then you have avoma and then there are multiple other products that's also coming almost on a daily basis now one of the first things i did when i joined the company sometime last year is that i wrote a blog post where i compared gong versus chorus now To be fair, and to be very clear, this was not Gong versus Chorus versus Avoma. There was no talk of Avoma there. Why? Because I realized that this industry, at that point when I came in, Avoma was kind of still new as a brand. Not many people knew about it. And the moment I write Gong versus Chorus versus Avoma, and it's there on avoma.com, people are going to think that, all right, there is one more new company who is trying to say that they are best. Uh, than somebody else. I
1: don't Mm -hmm. want to do
0: that. But rather, okay, why did I choose to compare these two? And I gave a very honest 3,000 word detailed blog about where where Gong is awesome, where Chorus is awesome, who should buy Gong, who should buy Chorus. That was a very detailed article. And why did I write that? I wrote it because when I searched, um, you know, the search volume per se there was actually very less. It was just about like say 150 searches per month. Technically, uh, you know, an SEO person or an uh, content marketing person would say, you know, don't spend time there. But what we realized was every person who landed on our sales call who were talking to us, they were aware of Gong, they were aware of Chorus. And every time what we heard and what we realized was that somebody who was going to buy Gong was evaluating Chorus and somebody who was going to buy Chorus also evaluated Gong. Now, when I searched Congress scores, Chorus, um, there was no real in-depth comparison article available out there. You know, um, there was like G2 and then there was uh, Trust Radius and all these uh, business review sites, but there was no real in-depth comparison anywhere. I wrote the blog and, uh, you know, it started doing well. A lot of people loved it and they started sharing it in their uh, newsletters and all of that. The blog kind of became very popular. And uh, till date, you know, for us, it drives at least two to three new customers every month. I'm talking about signed uh, customers every month. Now, why I'm talking about this, why this strategy? The strategy is, it's it's not going with what everybody else is doing. It's not about going purely by search volume. It's about understanding what your customer really wants and the kind of problems that they are going through on a daily basis. So when you put your ears to the ground and start listening to these calls, Mm -hmm. You, know, you start to understand that these customers are asking these kind of questions. And these are not the kind of answers that you easily find online. You know, When you look at, or when you try to search for certain topics, you often find the same set of five to 10 people that rank pretty much for everything. But the the titles might be interesting, but you might not actually get the answer to what you're looking for. And then there are certain questions for which there is no real good content. And now once you understand that these are the questions that my audience has, let me do that in-depth research and come up with decent pieces of content that is actually helpful to them. Many times it's okay, even if it is not, you know, selling our product right off the bat. At this point, we are here to win trust and understand, And you know, sometimes we have also gone on to say that, hey, if you want this, maybe, you know, we are not the best person you should buy this competitor of ours. That's absolutely still fine. You know, all these might sound counterintuitive. The point of it is as a brand, you know, your journey is to build trust and the people who are embarking on a journey with you as a customer, you want them to be long-term with you. So your content needs to feed into that. It's it's not just feeding into the sales leads or demand gen and all of that. Yes, that's all those things are important. You need, uh, you know, all kinds of content, but The strategy that I'm coming from is not the typical funnel mindset where you talk about top funnel, mid funnel, bottom funnel, but starting with the mindset of looking at it broadly and saying, what are the questions? Let me come up with those content pillars based on my understanding of who my audience is. Mm -hmm. Now, if I understand that my audience is a combination of, say, salespeople, customer success people, and say, product managers, now I can bucket these three things separately and then go a little deeper and what I talk about is generally everybody talks about ICP as ideal customer profile. Now, one of the things that we decided to do at Avoma, for example, is we realized the moment we observe our customers is that for us ICP is not ideal customer profile, but it is initial customer profile for us. What I mean by that? Sometimes you know our product might be first used by, say, your uh, you know your sales rep. And then it goes on to sales manager, then it goes on to VP of sales. And once the entire sales function starts using it, maybe the customer success team looks at it, they get excited about it. They say, hey, I also want to use this product because you know this is useful for the entire company. Slowly it spreads for the entire organization. Now, if I take this as a mindset and say that I am selling for everyone, then I'm probably selling for no one. I need to understand who opens the door. You know, These two or three personas are the kind of profiles from this specific size of companies. So that understanding at an account level is fundamental. You need to understand what size of companies, who are the people, and why are they interested? How are you different from everybody else in the market? And finally, the core piece of your strategy is also having a strong point of view as a brand. You know, when I cover my hands on the content heading And when you don't know which company is this content from, can you read these three or four lines and say, oh yes, this point of view is You know that is what branding is all about. When you have a point of view where it's it's not like, you know, 10 people are selling it this way. Let me also sell it this way. But saying that, hey, I look at this differently because this problem needs to be addressed this way, which is much more sensible and a long-term solution. Then I put forward this view to the industry and uh, you know i will rather phrase it in a remembering way to say that if you have a point of view name it frame it and claim it make sure that it's yours
1: yeah nice 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 yeah so I think you reply was... <laughs> <laughs> by the way, these guys from North Korea, <laughs> they have no internet, but they like to upload you. <laughs> okay. Uh, by the way, I think you reply to the question. Rita asked. A
0: yeah.
1: W- very good question. Yeah. I love it. You know, yeah, when you compete with many other, the same products, so yeah, I think you uh, share so we'll yeah, we'll I'll maybe
0: add, add that uh, to Rita's mm-hmm. question as well, more specifically. So the thing is, uh, yes, there are going to be same products uh, in every single industry, especially you know, in our industry. What we see is that there are probably 10 new products coming up almost every week. And that's that's exactly why I said, you know, you need to have a unique point of view. You need to have a DNA as to who you are. And it should not be like, yes, we are a better Uber. We are a better this, better that. Yes, the better thing helps at some point. For efficiency, that works, but purely if you look at it from a marketing standpoint, if you have to make a mark, you need to be something unique. You need to have a strong point of view and that's that's where everything starts.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, okay, uh, you know, uh, when, when I share uh, to my customers that they need to uh, provide content marketing, they always ask me back uh, about um, how to measure it. For example, if I write a blog post, it's hard to measure uh, how many uh, sales it will bring in the future. Okay, I can uh, analyze the traffic, but uh, I can't uh, analyze sales. Can you share from your experience how to do it?
0: Right, so measuring uh, content marketing, as you rightly said, it's not straightforward. Mm So. You should actually probably think of, uh, you know, mapping content to a specific purpose rather than this. So, for example, what I would rather do is like, okay, if I want to go after lead generation or demand generation, for example, you know, I will look at the different purposes of content for that. Now, let's say if there is going to be a comparison page, you know, uh, say alternative pages for somebody else you know, like say, drift alternative or uh, intercom alternative. There are so many people writing about, say, HubSpot alternative, whatever it is, right? So when you write with that, now the intent of that particular search is very different. Somebody who's searching for an alternative tool to an existing software is looking for a better solution, more cost-effective solution, or something, you know, that the other product is not solving, but you're solving. So when you write for those topics, that becomes far more measurable because then you're going to run Google ads for it. You're gonna measure how many signups do I create from that and all of that. But I would say keep different pieces of content for different purposes, you know? And at the end of the day, I would rather suggest to make this a journey to understand that, how do I lead somebody into it? So the moment somebody searches for a specific question and lands lands on a particular page, Let's say if they are landing on my blog post and uh, they're happy about it, but then what? You know, they've consumed the content. I see that, hey, they spent about, say, four minutes or five minutes on the page. The bounce rate is low. That's all great. But what after that, you know? Can I take them into a journey? Somebody who has read this blog, because they are interested in this topic, can I take them to, say, a relevant podcast episode or, say, a relevant ebook and take them through a journey and... uh, I'm not talking about the typical nurture that uh, marketers do to that, where they send tons of emails to the uh, to the extent that, you know, just because I've consumed your content, you annoy me with the tons of emails, and that that becomes a very bad experience. You know, uh, this is exactly why I say measuring needs to happen in a measured manner, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, You you cannot do too much of measuring. Sometimes, you know, if you think that everything is demand-gen and like say I'm running a webinar or you're running this podcast and uh, there are, say, for example, 50 people or 100 people who attend this and then from next day, if you start sending out an email to uh, promote your products to this list, you won't have attendees coming up for your next webinar, right? So Mm -hmm. that is not what you want to do. So you have to keep feeding on information that makes people interested and build trust over a period of time that they will want to check out uh, you know, what you do and then go into the sales journey. But specifically pick topics, You know, pick topics to educate, pick topics that are conversion heavy, that are more bottom funnel focused, where you're talking about, okay, if you're comparing this, you know, even there, the content needs to be more specific. It's not just because you've said you're an alternative, but you need to understand that somebody who is comparing intercom to you is going to expect something different versus somebody who is comparing you with drift is going to expect something different. You know, some Because here, this person is going to come from a customer service or customer engagement mindset. This person is going to come from a sales and marketing mindset. So you need to understand that my page itself needs to be written differently and it needs to be focused differently. And measurement will also come from the understanding of where am I promoting these pieces of content? Now, the moment I have this, am I promoting it on Google? Am I promoting it on uh, LinkedIn? Am I promoting it on Facebook? Again, all those things boils down to you having clarity on where your customer hangs out, promote there, and then decide which ones to gate and which ones not to gate. And ultimately, what is your goal? You know, your measurement is also dependent on what you want to measure. Are you trying to get more people engaged? Or are you trying to get more revenue? Yeah, of course, everybody wants revenue. Nobody's gonna say no to that, but what leads to each of it? Let's have specific pieces of content for specific pieces of purposes, and then measure based on that purpose rather than mapping everything to just one goal.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, I have the next question about um, quality of content. It's hard to measure, but you know, um, uh, when I check out some um, quotes online, that uh, create less, but quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's not the case. For example, uh, Gary V proclaims, uh, forget about quality, think about quantity uh, because uh, quantity helps to improve quality. You know, uh, For example, even Seth Godin, uh, he writes every single day on his blog. And yeah. I don't see uh, long articles, uh, well-structured, just uh, his thoughts. Can you tell how to find this balance? Be- between quality and quantity?
0: That's a very interesting question. And, uh, you know, um, it's interesting that you compared, say, Gordon and, uh, you know, Gary Vee, because Mm -hmm. both of them are entirely different personalities. If you look at it, you know, and and the fundamental is, Gary V is producing tons and tons of content and he has a massive team that works behind mm-hmm. him and he's able to do that. Yes, his quality of content is also great and his production quantity is also high. And if you look at Saif Garden, what he has actually done there is, yeah, he might be writing short posts on his uh, TypePad website, but the, the point is, you already know who Saif Garden is. You already know who Gary Vee is. So even if he is not promoting, you are subscribing to mm-hmm. his content or uh, mm-hmm. you know, seeing what they have to say. So the, the whole discussion of, of uh, quantity versus uh, quality is actually, you know, in marketing, we find these topics to debate, but these are not necessarily debatable. It, it, it depends on where you are, at what stage you are in. You know, if, if you are a matured organization and if you think you can produce a um, large amount of uh, content, you should do that. But at any given point of time, I would argue that, uh, you know, it is not, quality versus quantity, this or that, you know, if if you're not going to put in your 100% into every piece of content, you as well not do it. The reason I say this is that you never know which content piece is going to take off. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. when I wrote that Gong versus Chorus blog post, I did not know that that one piece of content is going to give me customers every month. Right? Mm-hmm. But if I If I had thought that, all right, so I'm just, I'm not even talking about my product here. I'm just comparing those two and helping my competitors. Why should I put in a hundred amount of effort? Why should make it a detailed blog post? Why should I share it in so many places? You never know the kind of impact it had. So the point is make sure that every piece of content answers those fundamental questions as to what a prospect is expecting while reading that content. You know, uh, that's, that's the fundamental that most pieces of content miss. So what we're always thinking about when we write a piece of content is that we're thinking, all right, so how do I position myself better? Or how do I make sure that I tell my story better? And everybody is excessively focused on storytelling, but the fundamental of storytelling is not you telling the story in the best possible way you can, but it is about answering the questions that somebody might have. You you I for example if I talk about, hey you know what a meeting lifecycle assistant does this 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 but you're if you're not even looking for what is a meeting lifecycle assistant why do you care about that piece of content and when you're talking about what is this then I need to understand okay why is this person comparing these two products maybe he's in a buying journey and if he's in a buying journey what are the kind of questions that this person might have maybe you know he's thinking of evaluating say uh, how easy it is to use. How scalable the tool is? Or how is the tool priced? What are the different integrations and app ecosystems that this company has? Or when you have all of these questions and then start answering those questions, then your content becomes becomes much more credible for the people. And now when you can do this, once you have done this, like say for example, five to six times, now you know that this is the structure that is working. Now what you do is you probably can hire more people on your team and give them that, hey, this is the structure that works, this is the formula. Now you increase the quantity. You say that, hey, um, go 10 times this, 20 times this, let's accelerate this in the next six months. And uh, because content is a long-term game, it takes things to pick uh, time to uh, pick up and deliver results. Let's front load it in the next one quarter or so, and the results will come going forward. So it's it's like you start with quality first and keep that as a baseline and then start increasing the quantity of, quantity of it without compromising on the quality.
1: Yeah, nice, nice, I agree with that. And uh, for example, from my experience, we usually spend more time creating content for Google, for example, for blog posts, yes. or website pages. And uh, I don't spend a lot of time creating content for social media, I just share my posts because most, uh, uh, posts, uh, they usually live like 24 hours, sometimes yeah. uh, f- 30 minutes, <laughs> not more. So uh, that's why uh, I think it's better uh, to produce quantity for social media and quality for Google, but of course, it depends. It depends on your goals and it's better to analyze competition. Uh, And I have the question about storytelling. You shared about storytelling, how to submit this format to your content. For example, uh, uh, do we need to create, to submit this uh, uh, style to page about us or we can uh, add to our products as well for e-commerce pages?
0: Uh, can you repeat that question? Just I mean, like, uh,
1: where to submit a storytelling style. Uh, for example, if I write the page about uh, my company, I can share. Yeah, I started uh, this company because of these goals. Uh, yeah. I want to uh, get, uh, I don't know, like such achievements. Uh, but what about uh, e-commerce pages, products? Uh, Can we submit storytelling style to these products? Because, for example, when um, uh, I watched, uh, uh, that was Apple Watch presentation, uh, Tim Mm -hmm. Cook, and he didn't uh, sell uh, this Apple Watch. He didn't uh, try to convince, uh, uh, you know, he didn't try to convince about uh, a number of features. He shares three stories. About uh, three people, how uh, Apple Watch has helped them. You know, one of them was a sportsman, another, uh, I don't remember exactly, but he uh, uh, shared the stories. Uh, how companies can use the same approach? Uh, I mean, like, uh, not to share a lot of features because 75% of all our decisions are emotions. and Can you tell more about storytelling? Yeah
0: yeah absolutely i think that's a that's a very uh, interesting and important topic that you brought up because see the way when you look at it um see one of my fundamental biggest gripes when it comes to uh, marketing is that see we we often uh, look at certain examples that are nowhere close to where we are and try to map things like that so for example you know a lot of content marketers try to uh, try to emulate the style of content that HubSpot is doing. But maybe Mm -hmm. HubSpot is at a different stage in their business, you know, they, uh, for example, HubSpot writes a blog post about uh, how to make gifts that has nothing to do with their business, not even relevant to them, and it drives a lot of traffic. But now if I try to uh, copy that and do the same thing for my company, I'll terribly fail because Mm -hmm. I have limited amount of resources and I'm a much more earlier stage in my company and I need to drive uh, traffic related to topics that are closer to my zone. Now, same thing goes to storytelling as well. You know, Apple has a phenomenal storytelling style, but Apple has been into existence for twenty plus years. Everybody knows what Apple stands for, and uh, even if they have not advertised their features, just I, if you look at their page, for example, you know, they, it's it's more uh, pictures and then one or two punchy lines about it. That is all it is. And still you have people waiting in queue uh, to buy the latest product. So the idea of all this is that the amount of investment that has gone in to create the brand and trust that they have over a period of time. Now, when you marry that to e-commerce, what you can do is you can take inspiration to some parts, you know, again, goes back to the fundamental of what is the kind of audience that you want to attract? Now, If you want to attract audiences that are, say for example, in the VP level or the decision maker level, you talk about features and stories in a totally different way versus you talk about your uh, benefits and something else while you're targeting an end user of a product who is like a manager level or an executive level. Now, the entire understanding always boils down to who is this for? And then, yes, of course, you can marry your storytelling into this as well. So how you can do that is instead of saying that um, my product has all these features, you can always say that this feature of my product helps you to solve this problem. Or you can say that, hey, are you facing this issue? Then you can do this, this, this using this feature of the product. So show some screenshots. Hrefs is one fantastic example, right? So if you look at it, they have, by far, you know, they entered a red ocean market, which was already filled with some really massive players like Moss, SEMrush, and all the others. They came in, all they did was beautiful product-led storytelling. You know, they spoke about how to solve a problem, and they just spoke about the solution to the problem, and in the meanwhile, they showcased how to solve that using their screenshots. They did not even say, buy my product. (laughs) You You can take that inspiration. So, ultimately, I would still go back to the same point that it is about understanding who your customers are. And, and the reason I, I even quote HRFs is, you know, one of my favorite things about them is that they are one of those companies, one, probably the only company that asks you to pay $7 for a seven-day trial. It's mm-hmm. not a free trial, right? And companies still do it. And why are they doing it? Because they know that they are not educating people to use their product. But they are educating people in advance so that anybody who comes in and buys the product already knows how to use it and what problem they're going to solve for. And that is where content can play the magic with their storytelling. and The right kind of things may be the buying page on a SaaS website or an e-commerce page.
1: Nice. Yeah, I agree with that. That means uh, uh, you need to understand the product before buying. If you don't understand, uh, it's. Uh, I think HRF's I Uh, thinks more about loan plan strategy uh, to keep you longer with their tools. If they sell uh, for a month, for a few months, uh, yeah, it's probably not their clients. You can not earn good money with that, good revenue. So yeah, Yeah. love the strategy. And and
0: another point there is that, you know, um, you also have to understand uh, who are the kind of people, right? So when I say kind of people, I'm also talking about when... You have HRFs. they're probably talking only to content marketers and SEO folks. Okay? Um, so, it's it's like you're talking about just one team. The, the focus and the language can be very different to that. Now, when you are selling to a multiplayer uh, user product, like say, a CRM, or say, you know, a, a suite like HubSpot, which is used by customer success, also marketing, also sales, and there is collaboration happening, then you need to make sure that, okay, uh, if I'm talking to salespeople, this is the story I say. If I'm talking to customer success, this is the story I say. And for general collaboration, this is the thread I bring in. I say that, hey, all three of you, I let you collaborate and this is the overall value you get as a company. So that's that's where the magic is.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Okay, uh, I have the final question about IE tools. Uh, your thoughts about that. Uh, Uh, for example, Google, um, John Miller proclaims, don't use IE tools with creating content. Uh, I think uh, most IE tools proclaim now uh, it's a must have today now to create content with IE tools. Uh, Your point of view, do we need to use them or not?
0: So, um, I uh, I don't have a strong opinion on this uh, because, you know, um, see, at the end of the day, it's a combination. It's, it's about where you're using tools. And when it comes to tools, you know, it's, it's, it's a layered approach towards that. So it's, it's not like tool-first approach. You start with people, process, and then tools. Any problem that you're trying to solve with, you start with putting people on it first and building a process around it and start tackling it manually first. And when you start tackling it manually, you start to understand that where are the gaps and what can I make it more efficient using a tool Otherwise, if you start with tool, you're just going by, uh, you know, the features that this particular tool offers and trying to fix and play around with that. But the moment you start with problem, people, and a process, you know what you want to do and you what you want this tool to accomplish. Now, putting AI into that use case, what you can actually do is use AI to create probably short forms content, you know, maybe your LinkedIn content, your uh, uh, social media content. And fundamentally, I would even say that don't completely rely on it um, you know no ai no ai is going to be 100% perfect it's a it's a, a combination where you start augmenting let ai take the first run you know let it create the basic piece and then you go on top of it you alter it a little bit the way you want and then it, it, you can you start using it as your assistant which is doing your first cut and you can play the role of an editor and improvise from there so that is how i would think about it
1: yeah yeah Totally. Uh, I think today content creators still beat IE Tools. Today. (laughs) The future will show. (laughs) Okay. Thanks a lot, Yak. It's a big pleasure to get you on my show, to learn from you. Uh, A lot of valuable tips. Uh, Tell our audience how they can learn more about you, follow you, reach out to you.
0: Absolutely. First of all, uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. I absolutely enjoyed your questions. They were, you know, kind of thought provoking. I had to think a lot and uh, made it very relevant to the audience. That's very, very good. And uh, I hope for the people who are listening here, I uh, made sense. And, uh, you know, I I gave some value to your time. uh, And thank you for being here. And if you would like to get in touch with me, the best place to connect is uh, LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm most active there. And apart from that, uh, you can also check out uh, www.avoma.com. It's A-V-O-M-A. And uh, then, um, by the way, if you're wondering what Avoma means, uh, it's it's an acronym for a very organized meeting assistant. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you can get in touch with me through Avoma or through LinkedIn.
1: Nice, nice. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Uh, watch and listen us on Google, Apple, Spotify. Uh, Thanks a lot, Jak. Again, it's a big pleasure. Welcome anytime, you know, to learn from you. Uh, I'll continue learning and sharing your content online. And thanks, guys, for taking your time.
0: Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use.